Welcome to Breb Talk. If you're a realtor and you've been looking for a podcast to up your game with smart and practical information, you've found your home. Providing realtors with resources, professional development, and standards for excellence. This is Breb Talk, and this is your host, Jason Galbraith. Hello, Breb members. Jason Galbraith here, your proud host of Breb Talks. Today, we have a special guest. We have Neil Thornton here. Uh, Neil, I'm going to pass it off to you in a second because I don't feel like I can do your biography quite enough justice, but we're talking to an author, college professor, keynote speaker, uh, life and career coach and mentor. you got a lot of things going on, Neil. So uh, it's my pleasure to introduce Neil Thornton, guys. And Neil, tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, man. (laughs) Well, it's it's fine. So I'm in the business world. Like I'm I'm with you, and I'm working with realtors and brokers and mortgage agents, financial institutions, like you name it. I'm all over the place. But really, uh, my specialty is strategic doing, because uh, I find the planning is easy, but the doing is the hard part. And then the doing involves people, which involves culture, which will eat your strategic plan for breakfast. So. I, I get. I usually get the calls from people with the strategic plan binder. You know those big four hundred yeah. page binders, and 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 these are big companies, and they're like, "What do we do with this?" <laughs> right? And I'm like, "Okay, uh, how many fingerprints are on that binder?" And the best strategic plans today are one page, like one page painted on a wall. So that that's my day, and and I work with culture, and I work with executives and owners, and uh, I, I'm finding a trend today, especially out of the pandemic, is. Number one, how do we regroup? How do we regroup and, and get human again in business, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in real estate, like how do, I, how do I stand out in a crowded marketplace? How do I lead change is a really, really big one. Uh, how do I communicate to influence? But also, um, how, do we, how do we just kind of just get people back in the office, getting back to some kind of a norm? So as you can imagine, I've never been busier than I am right now. And then I teach communications. Uh, I'm a linguistic, so I study language and business. And as you're aware, we're going to talk about today, is I study and teach body language. I've done it for over 15 years. And uh, and there's reasons why I do that. But for you guys today, it's a tool. Today is meant to be a tool for people with some ideas. Wonderful. So, uh, folks, I should have introduced sooner. Today, we're going to talk about uh, specifically body language and its role <laughs> it plays in business uh, and interpretation. I was just too busy wanting to introduce you, Neil. I didn't actually tell him what we were talking about. Uh, if I'm reading his body language right now, it sounds like it looks like we have an excited guest. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we're talking about body language today. This is valuable information. You're talking to an, or we're talking to an expert today, Breb. Um, so we're going to try to find some key points here that we can derive, apply to your business, and uh, make you a more successful, not only realtor or business person, but I would imagine a partner, a friend. Uh, it transcends all facets of life. Family, everything. Yeah. It, it, there's no work-life balance anymore. Jason, there, there really is. There's no work-life balance. It, it all intermixes. That's what the pandemic has done. Yeah, uh, We've been going through exponential change. We've had more change in the last three years than we've had in the last 30 years. And if we live in times of exponential change, we live in the database economy. We also live today in the attention span economy. And in the marketing world, in the real estate world, 
you have to understand that your brand now precedes you. If anybody writes anything down today, write that down. Your brand precedes you. In other words, I know everything about you now before I meet you. Yes. And my definition of leadership, yeah, like 20 years of teaching leadership, my definition today is leadership is what people say about you when you're not in the room. That's your brand. That's what people are looking for today is how, how do I stand out in that crowded market? Right on. So when it comes to body language, how would you classify this? Is this a science or is it an art? Well, it's it's a, it's primal. So it's yeah. it's understanding. So there's there's some rules with nonverbals and body language. And mm-hmm. of course, what I'm going to share today, I would ask that your audience take this in the right context. Um, how I learned body language was uh, from a retired FBI agent, and uh, and it was very much about lying and, and and looking at deceptive cues. But Jason, that, that to me, that was out of integrity for business. And that's why yeah. I write body language for business. What I wanted to use body language for is number one, to understand that nonverbals in communications make up to 85% of all communications is nonverbals. And what I, what I want to look for when, when I speak or work with groups, I'm looking for comfort and discomfort or people that are opened or closed. Mm-hmm. And body language is about context. It's about changes. It's about looking at environments and the environment that you're in and the in, the kind of the impact that you have on others and how they react to that. And we can go through some examples today, but, but really body language is a science, mm-hmm. but the limbic brain is always working at giving cues. Like for example, the most honest part of the body is the feet, but believe it or not, it's the furthest from the brain. So the feet never lie. The feet, you remember the old fight or flight? Yep. There's a, there's a third one, fight, flight, or freeze. Like freeze, right, when you walk into a room. The thinking goat. <laughs> yeah, the thinking goat. So what happens with the feet is they will always tell you whether they're engaged, they're pointing at you, or if there's a foot that's maybe angled away. Or if they're, if they're comfortable, they'll be out and crossed. If they're not comfortable, they'll be in that ready, set, go. And then the most telling part of body language is the eyes. Yeah. The, and that's why these virtual meetings that we've had, people have said to me, hey, Neil, do body language cues translate to the virtual world? And absolutely. It almost seems height. like more than ever if we're only here. Yeah, up. chin level, shoulder height. Like if you're doing a virtual call and you see foreheads, yeah. You see this, right? You lost your audience. Yeah. So naturally, if you were in if you were in public, because it's all public speaking, there's no such thing as private speaking, but if you were in a room and you lost your audience, you would change your talk. Like you would stop. You would you would kind of regroup. That's advanced now. That's what people want to know. Is I want to know how memorable am I? Do can I read a room and change my delivery? to better engage that room. And mm-hmm. as a realtor, you're dealing with people every day. You're dealing with different kinds of people every day. How do I read my influence? And that's why I wrote a book on it. Like how, how do I read the, my presence, my impact, and my influence? Absolutely. So here's a question for you. If you're saying that approximately 85% of communication is done through nonverbal cues, say I was the average Joe, had never opened a book, never read your book about body language, is the brain still processing and interpreting that data? And are we unconsciously, subconsciously Absolutely. interpreting it? 
Yeah. Uh, walk. Let's say you're visiting the Grand Canyon. You get out of your car, right? Get out of your car. You're, you're with your spouse, your partner, and you walk to the edge of the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Your feet are going to go, nope. <laughs> no, you're not doing that because your body is always in protection mode, right? Your body is always in protection mode. So, for example, um, if I'm not necessarily comfortable with you, I might hide my hands. I might put my hand somewhere, which is the deception of maybe I'm hiding something, <laughs> right? If you get nervous, you'll purse a lip, right? If you hide a lip. I saw the Chris Rock uh, clip. The, the body language analyst was showing the tremble in his lip immediately after the famous right slap. Right afterwards. Yeah. Uh, like the best was our last U.S. president. <laughs> that was that was four years of body language heaven. <laughs> Listen, everything's okay. Go back to sleep. <laughs> and and, the, and it was it was just it was blatantly obvious the body language. Was he effective? Part. Yeah. Well, this morning I, I was in Toronto and uh, I woke up to breakfast television and uh, and Mark Bowden, a very well known body language expert, was talking about uh, Doug Ford's body language. And he was talking about the Green Party's body language, where he would say, I plugged in my green car, but then raised his eyebrows looking for acceptance. Right. And, and how Doug Ford takes up more space as a leader. He, he takes up more space, sometimes a bit too much, but the opposition were taking up a little bit of space. And, and the hands were coming out like the, the non-finger point, yep. which between you and me is still a point. <laughs> and then they were pointing at Mr. Ford. And, you know, I don't want to talk about politics, but, you know, politicians, body language is immense. But what I find with body language is everyday interaction. Yeah. And and you're looking for, you know, if people start to cover up mm -hmm. or they start to pacify, right? I have a grandson. He's, he's a couple months old, and he's starting to suck his thumb. Mm -hmm. And people say, well, adults don't suck their thumbs. Go to York University during... Uh, exam week, you'll see a lot of students, right? It's pacifying. So if you're with somebody and you start to see them rub, playing, covering up their midsection, yep. they're, they're telling you they're closed, they're closing in, and they're not comfortable with you. It's the body trying to protect itself. Are there parts of the body being protected that suggest more protection than others? Like right. I'm assuming yeah. you're protecting your throat or the more vulnerable areas of your body, or does that apply? Well, here, here's a great signal. Your vital organs are in your chest. Yeah. So when, when you see somebody starting to play with clothes, I should be standing for this, but if you see somebody playing with their clothing or, their, or, or they're doing this, they're rubbing, right? You know, drug addicts do this. They're yep. rubbing. And what they're doing is they're closing everything off. So if you're with somebody, start to close off. So as a realtor, uh, get rid of any desks. Stop putting barriers between one another. And even a cross leg with a knee pointing out is a barrier. So what you want to do is remove barriers, show your midsection, have your hands out and open. When you hide your hands, it, 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 it's the, the limbic brain, the primal brain, picks up uh, the person's not comfortable. Now, consciously, you're not aware of it. Now, the neck is a kill point. So if you raise your neck, Jason, raise your neck, look around. You see, you see pompous, overconfident over people, police officers, they raise their neck, but they put their hands behind their back, and they stick their chest out, and it's a, it's a dominant splay. Right? I'm not afraid. They're saying, don't approach me, and, and the raised chin means you're not a threat. Now, 
a level chin is comfort, right? It's, it's, it, that's pure comfort, a lower chin. And when you see a lower chin, you see the eyes drop and you see the shoulders turn in. That's called turtling. What'll happen is they start to shrink. And when someone lowers their chin, they're closing their neck up. You might see the feet fold under a chair. They're actually shrinking. And so if you're with somebody, let's say you're a realtor and you're talking to a couple and one of one of the spouses or partners starts to kind of close off as a realtor, back off, right? But if you're not aware of those signals, you could continue in that conversation talking yourself in and out of that, that arrangement, in and out of that deal. I see it every day, right? So being aware of the constant cues being sent to you. The best is kids. If you have young kids and you say, hey, you guys want some ice cream? Like their feet, you see happy feet. Like people are bouncing. When, when you have an open house, watch how people walk into a room. You can read how people walk. Do you see uh, uh, poise? Do you see poise and people walk in confidently? Or do you see zombies? You see that the, the spouse that wants to stay in the car and they, they come in and they're kind of drag, they kind of drag themselves. And, and you're thinking, you, you got to deal with those people differently. Yeah, no, for sure. And I feel like we, we can, we're about to go dive into some details there. But before, I just want to like go backwards a little bit. I think you touched on something I hadn't considered before, which is um, the atmosphere you create to optimize body language. Re you were talking about the desk, removing obstacles between you and your client you're doing a consultation with. Um, in your mind, what is the best atmosphere for conducive body language for these kind of interactions? A couple club chairs. Yep. Uh, comfort, coffee table. Yeah. So, you know, I do a lot of work with financial institutions, right? Yeah. So a lot of the banks and credit unions, you go into the newer banks, there's a fireplace, there's a standing table, a couple of couches, they're getting that Starbucks model. And, and gone are the days of walking up to that counter. You know, you walk up to the counter and there's a barrier. Yeah. So they're realizing now that we have to make our members That's or good. our clients more comfortable. And so now with, even with big offices, I see executives just walking around with tablets. They don't have offices anymore. They, they give the offices to the finance people, right? They're, they're just walking around, they're interacting with their staff. So it's that whole Google environment. Now, Jason, why is that important? Is because the biggest business issue we're gonna face moving forward, in fact, we've been facing it for 15 years, but it's more accentuated, is how do I find, keep, engage, and motivate good people? And you're now needing to attract this younger generation in business. We call them the Gen Zs, the tablet generation. Yeah, they have attention spans of squirrels on crack, but really they're a whole different generation that communicates differently. Their whole lives are on these, right? And so you need to attract and engage that younger generation. And if you've got realtors on this call who have been in real estate for years, that's the greatest thing going against them because you can't keep doing what you've always ever done because you're just going to keep getting the same results. Well, you won't. In real estate, your results will decline. And Einstein said, you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. Yeah. So I'm finding realtors and brokerages today are saying, we need to be different. We need to stand out from a me too marketplace. And to do that, you might as well be more powerful in how you show up in your market mm -hmm. and what people say about you, your brand. Absolutely. So excellent segue. Neil, there's people struggling with body language, struggling to keep up with change in this ever quickly changing world. 
what do we do, professional? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I'll go back to Earl Nightingale. It's something from the 1950s, right? This this stuff. I got Dale Carnegie behind me, like how to win friends, the, the think and grow rich, Napoleon Hill. During the pandemic, one thing I did is I went back to what I went through in my business in 2008, and it it taught me to revisit the fundamentals. It taught me to get human again. It taught me to actually pick up a phone and connect with people. It taught me to write a letter to someone. Why would I write a letter? Because my competitions, they're, they're not doing it. So this is the time now to think about being different. I went out and a friend of mine got me one of those uh, wax stamps. So I got a little wax kit here in my mm -hmm. office with a stick. I actually write a letter with a wax. Like like old a school, wax. I love it. And, and well, you know, you handwrite, you handwrite someone's address. People get it. They go, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. So I think you always invent and create something else. The second thing is do not be afraid of video. Now, you know, I'm talking to realtors. You're, you're all into video, but I mean real video. I mean Instagrammable video, right? Um, your LinkedIn profile. How many written recommendations do you have? And, and I'm talking 100, like real Modern realtors today have 50 to 100 written recommendations because that is what people will look for before they do business with you. And I've been in real estate groups where people still don't even have a LinkedIn profile. Because, you know, between you and me, LinkedIn is the Facebook without the nonsense, right? It's, it's professional, it's business. But the, the fastest growing, the two fastest growing platforms, and we talked about them before we came on today, is Instagram, it's all imagery, and TikTok, it's all video. And they're short videos. That's the future of marketing. Yeah, I, I teach it. I, I teach marketing. And it's it's now, you know, here's your website test. Are you ready? This is the yep. website. This is called the Go Train test. One tap, three swipes, seven seconds. Your website. And if I don't see video, I, I'll go to another site. That's the attention span we're living in today. Yep. So I think what we have to realize is we can't resist change. That's so, so I think you brought on another good point here, which is talking about cameras. So realtors, we find ourselves on camera all the time, listing videos, right? And we could have 50, 60, 70,000 views on these videos that we release on YouTube. And it's the person's, a consumer's first impression of the property. And, the, you know, and a lot of that's going to be dictated or guided or facilitated by the host on the listing or on the listing advertisement. So on camera and off camera, what are key cues that you tell people to focus on? And say we could take away three or four key points for on camera and off camera. Uh, can we go through that? Well, I realtors ask me this every day. How do I create content? Yeah. It's all content. This is all social media. Yep. I would say answer the top 20 questions you get asked. Yep. Right? And, and keep your content positive. Mm -hmm. People love stories. Uh, if you study modern marketing today, there's a book called Build a Story Brand by Don Miller. Realtors love it because my marketing now tells a story. And your market doesn't care about you. They don't care about you and your car and your clothes. They don't care about you. Your market cares about them. So the people who get that concept is I need to talk in terms of my customer's interest. I want to talk in terms of other people's interest. Well, that, that might ring a bell with some people because that's principle, that's principle 17 from the largest selling business book in the world. It's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's principle 17. 
is try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. And I think that's our lesson in marketing today. And so the stuff that I'm conveying isn't new fancy stuff. It's, it's about being about standing out differently so that people talk about you. But we've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Yep. And that, that's a financial model of making money while you sleep. I think we should have a networking model that people talk about you while you sleep. And, and you're only one person, but as a realtor, you want people saying, oh, yeah, you've got to call this person. You've got to call Jason. Yeah. And, and just call him right now. And the, you're not even in the room. So I think, I think that's what's new. Now, you couple that with understanding the nonverbals. Like w when you read a room, you can actually increase your influence in that mm -hmm. room. But you do it with sincerity, right? And you have to be willing to listen. And I mean listen and observe. Listen. Body language is about observing the cues. It's not just being really, really good. Most of us don't listen. That, to me, that's the biggest issue in business today, is we have filters as human beings. In fact, Stephen Covey in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People said, most people listen to respond, not to understand. Yeah. But I'm in business groups every day, and I'm hearing things like, oh, that's great, but we tried that before. Oh, let me tell you why. And, and it's almost like judgment. It's like if I get this as a joke when I do keynotes, but I would say, Go home tonight to your spouse or your partner and say, honey, would you mind sitting down for a minute? I want to talk about your performance over the last year. And people laugh, and they, but, but we, we do it with one another in meetings all the time. So what happens is when we listen, we're listening from our past. We're listening from our filters, right or wrong or should or should be. What happens is there's no innovation in that listening. And then body language is kind of watching the same cues. Jason, if you walk into, the, into your meetings the same way, you sit in the same spot, you have the same body language cues, right? You have the same body language cues. And for some people, this is comfort. This doesn't mean I'm closed. But if I sit the same way and I, I do the same thing and I play with my pen and, and I, I say the same stuff, your team will just stop listening to you because they, they already know what you're going to say. So it's called automatic historical listening. And it, it amazes me that when I coach people, I get them to, to shake up the meetings. Walk around. Flip the script. Flip the script. Do something that you've never done before. Don't let people figure you out. I, that's, that's, one, that's one of my pieces of advice. Don't let people automatically listen to you. Don't give them the chance. Yeah. So how do you prevent someone from automatically listening to you? Keeping them engaged, I presume? Keep them engaged. Engage in real dialogue. Like, yeah. like, like real dialogue. That's back and forth. And, and you become interested in them. Right? Do more listening than you speak. I um, I used to be a firefighter and I had a crew. And when I was a crew leader, I used to always tell them, you have two ears and one mouth. And your communication should reflect that. Yeah. It was my polite yeah. way of telling a rookie to shut up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I'll be in a, so Jason, try this. Make an okay sign. Like I'll be in a, yeah. a whole room, make, make a, a whole room full of people. Put it right here on your chin. Right? Yeah. Right. Where's your chin? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Right? So <laughs> do with a room full of people. But, you know, that, that's a classic old Dale Carnegie line. But, but you think we often listen with our eyes. And, and I can tell you, as a realtor, I'm in the Niagara region. Yep. The wealthiest people I know, the happiest, wealthiest people I know, and wealth isn't necessarily money. If they walked into a room, you wouldn't think it. Yeah. 
it's not based on how they're dressed or the car that they drive. It's about their genuineness. And uh, I find the people who look wealthy are usually carrying the biggest debt, right? So if we're trying to project someone to feel comfortable, open up, they're being actively listened to, um, what are things that we should be focusing on as realtors going into a presentation at an open house to ensure that we're optimizing our chances of the other person receiving that accordingly? Get them talking. Get them talking. Listen to them. Watch the signals. Watch how they stand. Are they, are they standing with you with a leg crossed? It's a comfort sign. Why? Because my escape would be would be harder than if I was standing with you poised or one of my feet was facing away from you or I was leaning away or I'm leaning back, tilting my head to the right, which is more cynicism, or my eyes are darting down to the left, which means I'm not really certain about the situation. So when you become really aware of the impact that you have and, and remember to smile, like I know it's common sense, right? But it's not that common. Common sense isn't that common, but just asking great questions, and getting them to talk about themselves and, and building rapport, trust, and respect. And I, uh, you're the body language coach, and maybe you can confirm or deny this, but I once heard that the only universally recognized um, body language, that means the same in every country, is a smile. It's a smile and the eyes. Yep. Shoulders. Um, you know, it, it's things like this that means something in the United States, but in Japan it's different. It's, it's little signals, but the limbic brain is universal. Human beings are universal. Uh, I'll give you an example. When you first meet someone, they immediately go to four distinctions in their mind. Fear, friend, mate, or indifference. And, and you know, I believe in love and first sight. I met my wife 30 years ago. We've been together ever since. Love at first sight. But most business meetings, I hopefully there's not a lot of meeting going on. But but when people first meet you, about 70% of first and these are seconds is indifference. Most and today we live in a pretty divisive world, right? A little bit critical, cynical world. The divisive or the the divisiveness is is intense. So when people meet you, it's a lot of indifference. And what you're working at doing is moving them to a friendship mode. Uh, but you can also move them to a fear mode if you're not aware of little postures that you take. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you an example. Jason, like, you're kind of a, a bigger guy. Yep. I'm about 6'2", and I'm about 250 pounds. Mm -hmm. And I can be imposing walking in the room. Now, I never think that because I'm very genuine and I'm, I'm gregarious and I'm open. But believe it or not, I can still walk into a room. I work very hard as a leader to always make sure my eyes are on the same level, if not lower, than the people I'm working with. And that's called servant leadership. When you tower over somebody tall, you have to be careful you're not intimidating. But also, if you're smaller in stature, you've got to work on maybe sitting down more with a team, pulling them around, right, pulling them together. I teach speaking, and some of the best speaking is campfire talks. Yeah. Hey, guys, pull up a chair. Let's just talk openly. And I've, I've had rooms of 200 people, and I pull up a chair, and people love it. Yeah. Like they go, oh, you're it's not on a little bit. Yeah, you're not on stage. But I think what I what I want what I want your realtors to understand is avoid barriers between one another. Now that could be arms, it could be a knee, it could be a desk, mm -hmm. uh, it could be an object. 
when you put a barrier between yourself and the other person, that automatically closes off. For example, I have a stand that I'm going to take all of the lecterns and podiums in Ontario, and I'm shipping them all to Windsor. <laughs> Sorry, Windsor. But I'm shipping them all because podiums are made for wheat speakers. And when you stand behind a podium, two-thirds of your body language disappear. Right. And then you wonder why you lose an audience. Um, here's another cue is I teach speaking, right? And we're going to talk about speaking in a moment. But I teach a concept called 3D speaking. And it's, it's moving your language. It's, it's creating some depth. There's some up and down. You start strong. You finish stronger. And every once in a while, it's okay just to let some silence in what you're saying. Let the other person absorb what you're saying. I've seen far too many realtors machine gun their clients. So this is bop, 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 bop. And, and, the, and the clients walk away. like They just feel like they're going to take a shower. Like it's just like, I just got too much information too fast. Mm-hmm. When you introduce yourself, avoid, hey, it's Neil Thornton, right? Instead, go, hi, it's Neil Thornton. Punch, pause, punch. Classic Dale Carnegie tool. And people, oh, and, and help them remember your name. It's, right. it's little things. It's the human relations part of it. I think that's what's more important than anything today. No, I, I think that's very sound advice. Neil, it just, when it comes to body language, is there any discrepancy? For instance, you mentioned about cynicism if you go up to the right. <laughs> say, say, if there's any, say if someone is a, a left-handed or a right-handed person and are dominant more on one side, does that change? Or does gender influence and does age or demographics influence? Not necessarily. Very rare. But what you're going to watch for is if I start to observe somebody, yeah. say a gender, and they do the same kind of body cue, body language cue. I don't read anything into that. That's their preferred style. It's like a crossed arm. Right? Yeah. I tell people, I like to do this when I drive. I mean, when my wife drives. Right? <laughs> but for some people, a crossed arm is a self-hug. It could be cool in the room. Yeah. I watch for changes in body language, which are universal across genders, diversity. They're all universal. So if I see somebody in a meeting and they're open and we're talking, and we're very engaged, and my eyes are moving, and then I say something, and the hands kind of close in, and then I start to cross my body, and I might lean back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a signal that the brain told the body to kind of close off and back away. Right. If you don't read that, you are inadvertently offending the other person, right? You're inadvertently offending the other person. Uh, today was funny. I was speaking to a group, and there was a gentleman with both his hands in his front pockets. And I walked over, and I pulled his hands out of his pockets. And he goes, why would you do that? And I said, you're framing a part of your body that males frame. You might as well pound your chest like a gorilla because you're kind of framing the front part of your body, uh, the genitals, and <laughs> it can be offensive. And they don't. And if you, if you watch males with males, they do it a lot. Right. And, but they don't realize they're doing it. But again, they're hiding their hands. So when you hide your hands, it's like having a handshake, but you dominate the handshake. Or you have a handshake that's neutral or a handshake where you're a servant leader. Servant, neutral, dominant. But it, watch politicians shake hands. It's amazing what you see, right? And it's just, so being aware of these cues are really going to help you. Number one, understand the impact you're having, 
yep. and the constant body language cues that come at you. Ultimately, I watch eyes. Okay. The eyes will always tell you. If someone's excited, their eyes are open, mm -hmm. and, and, and they see you, and they're engaged with you. If you lose the eyes, you've lost them. They're, what they're about going. deceitful? If, if someone has deceitful or lying or dishonest intentions, what are things that the realtors can look out for? Well, it's out of integrity. Of course. And, and I'm not comfortable talking about that part. I'm a okay. bit trained on that, but I realize I don't want to know if somebody's lying. Okay. I re and I, I do recruitment. Like, you know, I, I recruit for a living, and most interviews are over in 30 seconds. But when, when you see people looking away, when you see people drifting away from you, that's usually a sign that they're, they're they want to leave the conversation. You'll you'll see them kind of back away. Uh, you'll you'll hear a, you'll hear some vibrations in their voice. Uh, you'll you'll see them starting to kind of swallow and and, and little tension cues, right? And, and again, you know, a little bead of sweat. But you'll see them start to play with things. You'll see them start to if they're rubbing their hands on their pants. That's rubbing the sweat, right? And that is an instant sign. I'm not calling it deceit. That's out of integrity. But I'm calling that discomfort. Right. And and they want to get out of the room. Uh, if you see someone start to hide body parts, purse a lip. Yeah. When, when someone starts to hide or purse a lip and they look down, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and they're little tiny little cues. I've been in negotiations where we talk about a, a clause and a contract. Yeah. And I see the person on the other side of the table, they just kind of, they bite their lip and they, they look like down very, very quickly. And I make a little note and I pass it to my legal team and say, yeah. there was a problem with that clause. Go back to it. And 100% of the time, guys, it looks to me, you might not be certain. No, we're not really certain. Okay, well, let's cover it off. I've saved hundreds of thousands of dollars in negotiations just wow. by watching the cues on the other end of the table. I get the impression... Um... Your response earlier when you were talking about, uh, I get the feeling that you feel like you have a responsibility to use your knowledge ethically because you could very easily go to the dark side. Is that is that a thing? Is that something that yes. you're ever conscious of? Every day. Yeah. Every day. I had, um, this is this is a, a tough story, but I, I had a client and they were a manufacturing client uh, in the food business. And there was a gentleman in a training session. Uh, he was openly proud of being a bully. He was a supervisor uh, on the floor. He would openly say, yeah, I bully my staff. And I should have I known better. I, I taught them some body language. And I always say with body language, please do not apply this with other people. Use it on yourself. He went out on the shop floor, and, uh, and he called someone out based on their feet. And he came in the next week and was very proud that he actually called out an employee about not being engaged by how they held their feet. I closed up my book. And I, I left the client. I refunded all the fees, and I said, I can't. That, that to me, is out of integrity. Um, you know, here's another thing, too, Jason, is the energy level people, people they, they bring. Zoom. So if, if I'm in a meeting, and it's usually an athlete, male or female, an athlete, uh, often males, you'll see a leg bounce, right? I see it all the time. I see people with their legs bouncing. What that tells me as a speaker is i got to pick it up. Because their energy level is like that. And if I'm speaking like this, I'm telling you, they're like, 
I, I want to stab myself in the face with a pen. I, I got to get out of this room. And you'll actually physically see them start to fidget. And I, I've been in meetings where people, I just have to go to the bathroom. And they get up and go. They don't have to go to the bathroom. But the meeting is just so dry and slow. And, and you got people in the room. And they'll start giving you signals, like put a bow on it. Let's wrap it up. Like, let's go. If you don't read that, you, you are going to create an apathetic team. Right, and you'll start to hear it. Yeah, you'll hear it in language. You'll hear words like they. They. When you hear they on your team, you have a problem, a serious problem. It's not us. It's yeah. They. You hear they. Well, they do this, or and, and it's all. That's where you create fiefdoms and silos. And I see it every day in teams. I, when I coach teams, I I coach their body language, nonverbals, but I also coach them to listen to the patterns that people are using when they speak because every person speaks in patterns and those patterns are either working towards a common goal, they're yeah. future based or they're past based about problem solving. They oscillate from one problem to another. Like if you go away to one week's vacation, yeah. it amazes me. You'll always come back to three weeks worth of work. Of course. You, yeah. you work extra hard for the next three weeks and then you have to go on a vacation again. You're just oscillating from escape to work, a diet, first-hand experience a diet I want to lose weight you lose some pounds you celebrate and then you put the weight back on and you got to go back on a diet so a lot of people just speak either in oscillating patterns mm -hmm. or they speak in I'm working towards advancing us towards our goals our vision uh, it, it amazes me language in business if you could really listen differently to your team you will know exactly where they are with your culture it, it language doesn't lie no, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, you know, maybe the world would be a, a little bit of a different place if we listened a little bit more to each other, right? Eh? Um, what what I was uh, one of the final points um, today is mirroring. You, so you mentioned something about like energy and the athletes and stuff like that. Is there a role in body language about matching someone's energy for comfort? And is there a term called mirroring or something yeah. like that? Something intended yeah. to make someone so it's more comfortable? Two distinctions. Okay. So matching energy will help you advance a room. Yep. Right? Because you're you have that same it's all quantum, right? We're all made up of energy and if, if you match the energy, the room will feel comfortable with you. Right. An old fashioned sales technique. And I'm not disagreeing with it, and I'm not agreeing with it, but it would be to mirror the other person. So if they're standing with you like this you stand like that, you mirror them. It's actually a bit manipulative. It's an old sales technique that was taught decades ago where, you know, just if you walk in a room and you see someone's golf picture, talk about golfing. Yeah. I got to be honest, Jason, I got, I got the attention span of a squirrel, right? <laughs> and if you walk in my office and start talking about my golf pictures, I'm going to be like, get to the point, right? <laughs> like, come on, time is money. So those days of, hey, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna mirror you and kind of those, they're kind of manipulative sales techniques. I don't, I actually don't recommend it. Uh, you can do it if it helps you, but I would say get comfortable. Don't worry about your body language. Watch theirs, but keep your body language open. Yeah. At least keep it open. Watch your hand height. Don't hide your hands. Keep your feet engaged. Keep your head nodding. Open eyes and of course, Smile. Yeah. You'd be amazed. Just walk down the road, right? Walk down the road. Just, just greet people. Say hello. Uh, I would just watch my grandson go for a swim, and I was talking to the lifeguard for about five minutes. Like, hey, how are you? You know how 
How's your day going? And I'm genuinely interested in them, but I figure, you know, I'm here in the moment and there's someone that I could talk to and I'm not doing it to sell anything. That's, that's, that's out of a genuine, it's just a genuine interest in other people. I, I think that's the key to success. A Jeffrey Gittimer in the little red book of selling said, um, you know, at the end of the day, people want to do business with friends, yeah. the people they like. And knowing whether you're a friendly person or not is a really good skill to build. And like an athlete, so last night, uh, the Maple Leafs won. Yeah. Everybody's all excited, right? The Maple Leafs won. What do you think they're doing today? The people who were celebrating last night? or the no, the Maple Leafs, the players. Well, they're probably training hard. They're training. That's what the greatest athletes in the world do. At the top of your game, today they're being coached. Yeah, They're being coached, not on the things they did well, but on the things that they could do better. I find that's the key to business people today. Who's coaching you? Yeah. Who's coaching your game? Because if left on your own, you have little ticks and habits, and you lose the fundamentals, and ego takes over. And Eckhart Tolle said, Ego and awareness cannot coexist. And so realtors today are saying, how? like I often start a talk and I say, if I give a comment, please avoid saying to yourself, oh, I already do that. Instead, say to yourself, how good am I at that? To what extent am I doing this? To what extent? How good am I? How could I get better? And I think the best realtors I work with, that's what they're doing right now. And, and these realtors are at the top of their game. They're, they're not resting. Change happens so fast, right? And General Senseki said, uh, if you don't like change, you'll like irrelevancy even less. And <laughs> I find that's where realtors are, is I need to reinvent right now, and I can't do it by myself. I, you just can't. There's too much ego, too much history. So that's why I've never been busier than I am now. Awesome. Well, I can. Uh, it's no doubt to me why people want to hear your uh, what you have to say. To be honest, um, so just kind of shifting gears. I think we're going to start wrapping this up a little bit. But say we have uh, we have broker owners who listen to this. We have people that are new to the business. I think there's a lot of people that might be listening that would like to know more. Um, maybe you can touch base on resources they can consult, uh, your services, how they can find you online or what have you, and maybe uh, an opportunity to just talk about your uh, new book and how it. Yeah. So three things. Number one, the name on the screen. Yep. Uh, LinkedIn. Yep. LinkedIn. I have 6,200 connections, 103 written recommendations. Yep. To me, that's the database. So LinkedIn, uh, thorntongroup.ca yep. is my website. Uh, eight testimonial videos on my landing page. I've realized in business, when I say it, it's bragging. When other people say it, it's proof. And uh, during the pandemic, I I did this. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) It's like 390 pages. Look, look at all, there's all, there's all the body language stuff, right? And is that, what's the title of your book? How do, how do people find it? And what's the content? uh, Presence. Impact and influence, and it's on Amazon. Amazon's your friend. I was with, this is going to blow your mind. I was with a colleague today who works at Amazon. Yeah. And I said, how is it that someone could order this book today and tomorrow? It's at their door. You know what she said to me? This book is printed at Amazon in less than an hour. Wow. As soon as they get it, this is printed in less than an hour. Real time. 
and it, and the only delay is people at Amazon. And I'm like, I, my whole world changed. So I thought, isn't there a warehouse of these somewhere? No, the, these are printed on demand. And so this is, uh, I, 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 I thought I would put together a book, and this is a reference tool. And and I'll, I'll t the value of this happened to me this week. I, I was interviewed similar to this to one of the most successful financial planners I know, and he read the book in 15 days. Yep. And he said, I had to read the book because I was going to interview you. And he said, here's what I love about the book. There's so much information that I know I have to keep that book right behind me as a reference guide. And to me, that's the greatest thing I heard because that's why I wrote it. It's a It wasn't tool. the one and done. It wasn't ever yeah. going to die. People are going to go to it constantly on, I want to improve my speaking. I want to lead change. I want to build a relationship with failure. I want to learn nonverbals and body language. They're all, all the chapters are completely different. So thanks for letting me do that. I don't like plugging my book. I find it embarrassing. No, uh, you shouldn't be. I think that's a great accomplishment. And like I said, I, I the reason you're here today is I think you have a, a ton and a wealth of knowledge that's entirely transferable uh, to our industry and to the members at Brev. So um, I hope they find value uh, in what you've done. Look, Neil, really appreciate your uh, attendance today and being able to chat and bounce some ideas off of each other. Um, this was only intended to be the tip of the iceberg. Obviously, you've dedicated your life to this. So, folks, I highly encourage you. Uh, to seek out some more information. It's obviously very powerful and it can only positively impact your business. Uh, Jason Galbraith here with Brev Talks signing off. We'll see you on the next episode, everybody. Take care. Everybody. Bye, guys.